Welcome back, listeners. So, Josh, we talked a lot about in the first segment just those increasing rains um, and how that's maybe impacting our yields. Our data does suggest that we are seeing a yield impact um, from the change in the weather. And I think another thing to consider there is that with this this heavier amount of precipitation that we're seeing in these rains, um, really important to think about what is that doing to our soils across mm-hmm. southeast Minnesota, especially when we get into that extreme southeast Minnesota corner. Uh, what's kind of your take on that? Well, I think certainly when you look at um, you know these weather changes, uh, you talked about, Allie, a lot of this is coming as a lot more intense rainfalls in the springtime and during planting season. Certainly, when you look at you know southeast Minnesota in general, that's when our soils are also most vulnerable. You think about all the tillage we have. We have very little residue cover. We don't got you know a crop actively growing on a lot of acres. And certainly, you know as we've driven around the last five or six years, you know you look at you know some of the the washing erosion we've had and and it's it's maybe something that you know, Allie, even maybe you and I, we haven't talked enough about. And and uh, you know, I start thinking back to when I was in college and, and doing soil and water conservations, and we go out and measure soil loss and what's the T value. And to tell you the truth, you know, some of these fields you drive by, I don't even want to even start running that calculation. You know, when you think about you know three or four ton per acre isn't a big number. That's probably an acceptable level where you know, some of these levels are probably double digits, you know, tons per acre that we're losing, you know, after some of these rains. And certainly, you know, when we think about that, if these are going to, if this weather is going to continue, you know, obviously, what are some things that we can, we can do to try to offset that? And, and first and foremost, I just think about the tillage factor of, you know, do we need to examine more reduced tillage strictly from number one, you know, just looking at a erosion control measure. And I think outside of just erosion control, too, looking at some of these management practices, uh, we know that increasing or building organic matter is going to have a significant impact Mm -hmm. helping us across yield. And then I think, too, um, just making those soils more resilient to compaction because whether you're in that really prone erosion zone or you're in these other areas of southeast Minnesota, um, maybe working those ground at times Mm -hmm. or running that heavy equipment across is something to consider, too, and how maybe looking at a reduced tillage-type system um, could help us overcome some of these issues. Yeah, when I was in in college, I had had some really fun soil science professors, and and one this quote stuck out, Allie. I've never forgot this, but when we were in in a class one day, he kind of stated this, and at first I kind of like, I don't know if that's true, but the more and more, I've, I've never forgot this. But one of his statements was that um, when you look at, at tillage and is it needed, not needed for crop production, his statement was 85% of the tillage in this country is recreation. And mm-hmm. it was kind of a bold statement in, in at times, but if when you think about what he said, it did stick with you. And it makes you think about, you know, when you do look at reduced tillage systems, and, and we have some alley we work with that are very successful. And, and I come you know, from a lot of years of working in Wisconsin where no-till was highly implemented and, and I've worked with the system and seen, you know, the benefits that can be there. And and one thing, Allie, it's a topic that, um, you know, I, I feel like it's not talked about enough. And I think a lot of it is there's just fear of change. And it's also understanding that, you know, there may be a short-term challenge to get a long-term gain. And that's also a, a balancing act in the current economic times of agriculture. Well, that's the one thing I wanted to point out if we maybe start considering more of a reduced tillage or no-till type system. Mm -hmm. We're not suggesting that this is something that you just overnight decide you're going to do and you're going to work that system perfectly. It is going to be a process. You're going to have to try things to see what works, what doesn't work. Um, I can remember, I mean, growing up, my quote sticks in my head is my dad always told me that soil erosion was his biggest pet peeve. Mm-hmm. And I can remember through the years, he's trying all these different things or cover crop type mixes. And we'd always talk about, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And then you tweak it for the next year. And ultimately you fine tune that system into mm-hmm. to making it work for your particular operation. 
Yeah, and I, and I think you had a great point there of, you know, we're not saying that anybody should go out there and say, oh, I'm just going to, you know, become a continuous no-till operation overnight. And, and you know, when you think about this topic, I like to tell some, you know, as, as I work with growers and, and talk about no-till is, you know, we got to start small and work into it. And maybe it's just, you know, taking a farm and say, you know, maybe it's 40 acres or, or less or an 80 or something and say, you know, can I get into a system and try this, you know, small scale? Because obviously there's equipment needs, you know, what do I need for planter equipment and, and, and roll cleaners and, and fertilizer placement? You know, there's a lot of things you got to work with, you know, an agronomist and talk about the do's and don'ts. The one thing that's really nice about is you're thinking about this today is we have so many people that have, you know, kind of experienced the highs and lows and we've learned more how to maybe, you know, alleviate some of those short-term losses. But certainly having those conversations and thinking about that is kind of really where we need to start. And with that, you know, I think there's some cover crop things here too, Allie, that can help. And certainly, you know, from a dairy sector, we see good uptake of that, especially on corn silage acres. Yeah, you look at, you get those corn silage acres off. Um, maybe you go in, maybe you make your manure applications first, and then you seed a cover crop. Maybe you seed that cover crop first, and then work your mm-hmm. manure application. Some guys are even uh, mixing the cover crop seed in with that manure application mm-hmm. as they inject that into the soil. A lot of different options. Would love to keep this conversation going. Let us know any questions you might have. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. We'll see you at 11 a.m.